and welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast. Your health matters. I'm Mark Aiken, the podcast host for today. I'm the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support, and I'm a registered nurse. Nurse and Midwife Support is the national support service for nurses, midwives and students. The service is anonymous, confidential and free, and you can call us anytime about any issue you need support for. 1800 667 877 or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au. Welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast. I'm Mark Aiken, the podcast host for today. I'm the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support, and I'm a registered nurse. My guest today is Kim Foster, Professor of Mental Health Nursing at Northwestern Mental Health in Melbourne and Australian Catholic University. This is a joint professorial appointment in mental health nursing between Melbourne Health and ACU. Kim is based at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, where she leads the Mental Health Nursing Research Unit. Professor Foster is an internationally recognised mental health nurse, academic, researcher and educator, and is widely published in mental health and psychosocial health research. Kim has won numerous awards for research. Her areas of research expertise and interest include co-associated physical and mental health, resilience, and mental health family carers and families where parents have mental illness. Today, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, we discuss the important topic of resilience. Now, more than ever, an important issue for our workforce. I would like to acknowledge the incredible and important work nurses and midwives are doing at the front line of the pandemic, as you continue to provide care and support. Thank you for everything you are doing and thank you to all who support you. I'm humbled by your incredible work, commitment and care of the people you're supporting. Hello and welcome, Kim. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be talking with you today. Uh, Great to have you on the podcast, Kim. We've been talking about recording this podcast now for a little while and it just seems somehow really apt that we're doing that at this um, challenging time where people are dealing with the the challenges of COVID-19. So Kim, would you please tell our listeners about your career and why you have undertaken research on resilience? Yes, well, uh, I'd I'd love to talk about my career. I'll try and do it pretty briefly. (laughs) But uh, I've been uh, a nurse now for a long time and actually started my career in general nursing and then later on went into mental health nursing, which is where I've stayed ever since. And along the way, uh, I sort of fell into uh, the university sector and into education um, of mental health nursing programs. And then along the way again, (laughs) I um, developed an interest in research and I did a PhD. And in my PhD, I was looking at uh, families where parents have mental illness. And 
as part of my reviewing of the literature, I came across this whole field of resilience because resilience research actually started many decades ago now, um, looking at children in disadvantaged environments, etc., and poverty, and that included children whose parents had mental illness and other health challenges. And so I really learnt a lot, I guess, about resilience through that work in my PhD and, and really came to think very carefully about the issue in health. You know, we are constantly working with people who have had physical and or mental health challenges. And I was interested in not only understanding what the nature of the challenges were, but how could we help people to overcome that? And so really, I think at a fundamental level for me, my interest in resilience has always been about not only understanding what the problems are that we face, but really focusing on, on how we can overcome them and how we can help people to overcome them. So uh, later in my career, uh, I did more research with patient and family groups who had experienced different health challenges. And then more recently, when I came to Northwestern Mental Health, I uh, had the opportunity to um, work closely with that organisation and with the Department of Health to look at workplace resilience programs for the nursing workforce. So I've sort of moved from uh, looking at challenges with patients and families to looking at challenges for the workforce and how we can support the workforce to be resilient. So that's the short story <laughs> of my interest in resilience. Uh, thanks, Kim. What an interesting career and what an important area of workforce. And as I said, um, now more than ever, it's an important time, I think, to be talking about resilience in relation to um, nurses and midwives and indeed the support that's available for nurses and midwives. So I just want any nurse or midwife listening to this podcast to know that if they need support at any time, now or at any time in their careers or into the future, that nurse and midwife support is available. 1-800-667-877 and it's a national support service. The service is anonymous, confidential and free. So please don't hesitate to call and speak to one of our nurse and midwife counsellors. Kim, resilience is defined as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity. Trauma, tragedy, threats or significant sources of stress, such as pandemics, family and relationship problems, serious health problems, or workplace and financial stressors. That's one definition of resilience. How do you define resilience, Kim? Yes, well, that's a really uh, important question, I think, because one of the things to acknowledge is that it is defined differently um, by different people. Uh, and out there in the, in the wider world, uh, there are different understandings of resilience. I think a couple of things first to say, and then I'll say what I think resilience is based on my research. Um, it's a term, you know, it's a concept that we use to describe a people's outcomes following stressful situations and adverse challenges. So it, it is just a term that's used to describe something that happens. And there are lots of different ways that people have used um, that term. Primarily, it's been used to talk about individuals. You know, how do individuals overcome 
stress and adversity. So a lot of the current wider view of it out in the community is that it's just about the person. But my understanding of resilience is a bit more than that. And so this is based on a lot of work that's been done. So one other thing to say is that there are different types of resilience that have been identified for different circumstances. And so I'm going to specifically talk about psychological resilience or personal resilience, um, but in the context of the workplace. So my understanding of that is, firstly, that it's a dynamic process to positively adapting um, to stress and adversity. So what that means then, if it's dynamic, it means it changes. (laughs) So you can be resilient following particular um, stressful situations, but that may not continue um, forever. And so it can change depending on your own circumstances and on the resources that you have available to you. So that's the first thing to say is um, it, it can change. It's a dynamic process um, depending on the resources that you have available to you. And also the second part of what I said before about that it's positive adaptation, it means that successful adaptation following stress really means that the person has been able to regain their psychological wellbeing. So for me, resilience is a process that occurs that involves um, a number of factors that result in the person having wellbeing following a stressful event or situation. So another part then of that definition is that it involves, uh, resilience involves interaction between us as individuals and, and our environment. So it's not just about our own personal characteristics. It's about the resources that are available to us in our environment. So we have personal skills and resources like problem solving, um, being aware of our strengths, being aware of how we respond to stress. And that's in interaction then with what resources are available to us in our our environment. So that includes things like supportive relationships, practical support, emotional support. And together, those two main approaches um, result in our having a resilient process. So our personal, the way we personally deal with situations and what's around us in our environment to help it. So the last thing then to say is this this idea that some people are resilient and some people aren't. I don't believe in that view. I think anyone can build resilience. And a lot of it is about the resources that are available to us around us to help us. Yeah, I think they're really important points, Kim. And um, sometimes in my career, my fairly long career as a, a nurse, I guess I felt more resilient than at other times. And I've, you know, had cause to reflect on that. And I think some of that was related to what um, else, what was, what else was going on in my life at the time, and you know how much my, um, uh, how much, I, how much I felt overloaded in relation to circumstances. But sometimes I just couldn't pinpoint. Um, why I didn't feel as resilient. So do you, um, do nurses uh, that you speak to, Kim, describe those feelings too, that sometimes they just don't really know why why the resilience isn't kicking in? Yeah, 
Well, yeah, and perhaps they don't describe it specifically like that, but I think that's a really good point that you've raised. You know, uh, there's, there's a level at which uh, all of us can cope with stress and adversity, and even if we do have a lot of personal skills, if we've had lots of adversity and if we don't have a lot of support and resources around us, that is going to have an effect on whether or not we are going to be able to be resilient in the situation. So it is important not to blame yourself, I think. I think uh, a lot of nurses and midwives might feel a pressure to you know, be resilient or other people might expect them to be, but the point is that that involves uh, resources uh, from elsewhere as well as us working together uh, to enable that to happen. Yeah, thanks, Kim. That's a great point. Kim, why do you think resilience is important for nurses and midwives? Look, I do think it is really important because, it's, you know, nurses and midwives are well recognised to work in high-stress environments and there's a lot of evidence about the, the types of stress that uh, in the workforce that they face. And uh, a couple of points that I think important to say about that one of the things is uh, it is really important to try to reduce or eliminate the causes of stress in the workplace for nurses and midwives. And that largely involves organisations, uh, you know, being involved in, in helping to reduce or eliminate those causes of stress. And secondly, it, it involves strategies um, that we as individuals can use to help ourselves when we're dealing with workplace stress. So I think there's been a criticism really about resilience in the wider world that, you know, it's fine to talk about individual resilience, but we need to acknowledge the structural uh, issues that can create stresses. And I just want to acknowledge that, that when we're talking about resilience here, I'm not just talking about nurses individually and midwives, um, managing themselves, but we have to be have a social uh, responsibility to actually try and reduce the causes of stress in the workplace. Uh, and so, just to, to continue with that then, um, so I think it's important that we um, help nurses and midwives to develop their own individual strategies and behaviours that can help them. Uh, when they're in stressful situations because what we found is if nurses aren't resilient or aren't able to get the resources to enable them to be resilient, their personal well-being and their physical and mental health can be affected, their working relationships can be affected, their practice can be affected and um, their satisfaction with their job and whether or not they stay in the workforce. So for all of those reasons, I think it's really important that we support nurses and midwives. Yeah, absolutely, Kim. And I think that really, for me, highlights the importance of building in time for reflection for nurses and midwives in relation to the work that that we do and the um, the issues and things we're, we're exposed to. I think sometimes we just keep going, you know, we're, we're, we're busy people, we do busy jobs and sometimes we're 
we're just on this um, conveyor belt of busyness, but we don't necessarily get time to reflect. And over the years, I've learned the importance of that and really benefited, I think, from that time in supervision. And I know supervision is really big in mental health nursing, but not so big in other areas of nursing and midwifery. Would you agree, Kim, that you think that reflection and supervision is an important element here? Oh, absolutely. Um, and in fact, in some of our research with uh, nurses, they, they themselves said, look, for us to sustain our resilience in the workplace, we uh, it's to, to, for us as nurses um, and midwives to uh, regain and, and sustain our resilience, we need uh, regular reflective practice sessions and clinical supervision. And so I really believe that clinical supervision, which as you say, is often used in mental health nursing and perhaps not so much in other fields of nursing, is about supporting professional practice and working with an experienced uh, clinical supervisor who can help nurses and midwives reflect on their practice and look at ways to address challenges that they face in practice. And it's a very supportive mechanism so I would absolutely support that. Yeah, thanks, Kim. What are the key components of resilience that you identified either through your research or your experience? Yeah, well, as I said earlier, I think there are two main elements here. One is about our personal skills and resources and then the, those resources in our environment that we can access. So I'll talk firstly about some of the key personal skills and resources that we can use um, as individuals. And this is based on quite a lot of research and what nurses have also um, shared with us. So um, there's a few things here. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just uh, talk through them. So one of, one of the things that's been found is when you're faced with a problem, that a proactive problem-solving approach is helpful. So rather than avoiding a problem or... Um, or using other strategies to um, sort of reduce your distress about the problem is actually to try to find um, proactive ways to start, go about solving the problem. And that often involves other people. Um, another skill and resource that we can have is being aware of our strengths. We often reflect, I think, on our deficits or the things that we think we're not good at. But it's really important to be aware of your strengths and to be able to acknowledge and identify those because it, when you're faced with stress, you can build those strengths and use them to address, you know, situations when you're having issues. Another skill um, is knowing how you respond to stress. And so often we have physical, mental and emotional cues for ourselves as individuals when we're under stress. So it's important to actually be aware, you know, do, do you get the knot in your stomach? Uh, do you start to tense up? You know, what are the physical cues, for example, that you're feeling stressed? Because they can be signals then to think about, well, how might I go about addressing that and reducing the stress? Another personal skill is, um, and this has been found in a lot of research, is people who have a generally positive outlook on life. 
are more likely to be able to deal with stress. And that's probably not good news for perhaps the pessimists amongst us. Uh, but if, if you are someone who generally uh, has a positive outlook, that's helpful. If you're not someone who generally has a positive outlook, working and finding ways to develop a more positive framing of situations is helpful. And there are strategies that people can use to help change the way that they're sort of viewing uh, situation. Uh, another thing which may be good news to everyone is, you know, having a well-developed sense of humour has been found consistently <laughs> to be helpful um, uh, and in dealing with stressful situations. And a really important personal skill is that learning how to manage your emotions when you're under stress. So being aware of what you're feeling and then being able to regulate or manage yourself so that you are able to respond effectively. And that sounds a lot easier than what it is, but people are well able to learn skills to help themselves manage their emotions. And another key um, skill is how do we go about appraising a stressful situation? How do we think about what's happening? What meaning do we make of stressful events? because that determines how we respond to them. So it's very important to think about how we're talking to ourselves about a stressful situation. And what nurses have uh, told us in, in our research is what they find useful is to challenge some negative self-talk that they might be having about a situation and try to reframe that a little because that then helps them with how they respond. So I've said an awful lot there, um, and there are only some of the strategies and skills that we've found, but I think they're probably some of the important ones. Yeah, I don't know if you want to perhaps ask any questions or talk about that before we move on. Oh, no, Kim, I was just going to say that's really useful information. And uh, we've talked about um, humour and sense of humour before on these podcasts, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that nurses and midwives generally do have incredible senses of humour and we can kind of laugh at things that other people don't really laugh at. It's almost like a black sense of humour that, that I, I think we, we seem to develop um, as a coping strategy sometimes. And uh, we, the team that I work with, um, you know, we're, we're not clinically based. We're supporting nurses and midwives. So we're working um, at home at the moment. And we usually start our Zoom meetings, like, you know, with stories that create laughter. And, you know, today, given that we're recording this on the Thursday before Good Friday, we... Um, we decided to um, turn up to the Zoom meeting all wearing an Easter decorated hat. And that was like incredibly funny because people got very creative and created a lot of humour. So I think that's really an important point, particularly... Oh, and, yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think the things are that those sorts of what might seem to be small things are really important in a workplace context in a team because it helps to build relationships. Um, and I'm going to move on to talking about relationships in a minute. And that camaraderie and just collegiality. And so having fun and having good relationships are really, really important. Um, they've been found consistently 
in a lot of research to be really important things. So that's great that you guys had that in your meeting this morning. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm sure it's going on all over Australia at the moment in the face of um, these great challenges that people, I hope and I know from what people are telling me, are still finding a way to laugh and, and have humour. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and building on that, as I said earlier, you know, I've talked about there's personal skills and things we can develop ourselves, and then there's the resources around it that are really important in resilience and there's a very well-known researcher Michael Unger who often says um, actually you know he sees the environment as just as if not more important in resilience as us as individuals and so a few of the key things that have been found to be really important in our workplace sort of context really important to have supportive relationships with colleagues uh, those have come up time and again as probably one of the most important resilience factors. And whether that's colleagues in your immediate work environment and or colleagues that you have in the profession more widely, really important to build and nourish those relationships because they are a very important resilience factor. Another thing that's really important in the environment in the workplace is that there's available emotional or psychological support, particularly following adverse events. And so that can be an informal support from colleagues uh, and managers and a more formal uh, support offered to staff. So things like uh, employee systems programs, and adverse events of following up on critical incidents, for example. And so very important that the organisational workplace provides those. It's also very important that when there is a, a stressful event or critical situation that occurs, that that's acknowledged by the workplace. And so it's not just um, ignored, but acknowledged, and that there are proactive efforts to address that situation. So a lot of staff will say that it, it was not only how they dealt with it, but also that they felt supported by their colleagues, they felt supported by the organisation, and that the impact of the event or stressor was acknowledged by the organisation. And the other thing from the workplace, there's lots of practical support that the workplace can provide and do provide to staff. So things like manageable workloads are really important in managing stress overall, having adequate resources to do the work uh, and having things like professional development offered to support staff. And if we think, for example, about the COVID situation at the moment, you know, the issue of EEP and having, you know, protective equipment, having professional development to develop skills that are needed to address the situation, uh, these are the sorts of things that organisations are doing at the moment. They're really important things to do to support the resilience of the workforce. Yeah, great points, Kim. Um, Kim, in your research, implementation of a resilience education program for mental health nurses, a feasibility study, and we'll put that, um, that research up, up onto our website when we put the podcast up, um, so you'll be able to, our listeners will be able to access that. 
you state in mental health nursing, workplace stress is also associated with job dissatisfaction, um, job dissatisfaction and burnout. There is evidence, however, that preventative workplace resilience education can address potential impacts and build individuals' capacity to adapt in challenging workplace situations. You go on to say that resilience encompasses the processes, resources and characteristics that strengthen individuals' adaptive responses and outcomes from stressors and adverse events. Would you please tell our listeners a bit about the preventative workplace resilience education? I'm sure people will be incredibly interested about this. Yeah, that's great. And uh, a couple of things to say about that. And when we first uh, looked at all of this several years back, um, we did look across uh, the research about what the existing uh, resilience programs were that were available, and there are several uh, resilience programs that have been developed in nursing and midwifery. Uh, we went with an evidence-based workplace program, so it was not nursing and midwifery specific. It was a workplace program that had been developed by researchers at Queensland University of Technology. That Professor Ian Shockett and his team, and it was called the Promoting Adult Resilience Program, and it had been developed for the workplace. And we took that program in collaboration with um, Ian and his team, and we uh, implemented it and piloted it here in Melbourne. And we have now since gone on to adapt it for nursing specifically. But basically, it's a strengths-based program. And it's got a it's a preventative program, so it's been designed to develop and strengthen uh, staff wellbeing and resilience, and to develop skills that they can use when they are faced with stress and adversity. So it's not an intervention post stress and adversity; it's a prevention program to help develop up people's knowledge and skills, so that when they are faced with stress and adversity, they may have the skills to manage them. So those skills are really involve understanding and responding to stress and adversity, uh, how to manage thoughts and feelings when faced with stress and difficult situations, and how to manage workplace relationships. So that's that's the program. It's it's a face to face program. That's the other thing I liked about it. I felt that that was a, a really relevant way to deliver the program because part of that is people developing relationships with each other in the program, supportive relationships, and it's a peer group-based program so that they can talk with each other and discuss things together in the program. Yeah, and if people want to do the program, Kim, or um, they run it in their organisation, are they able to do that? Well, they can. Uh, As I said, it's not our program, so uh, they could contact Professor Ian Shockett and his team at QUT um, and they can negotiate with them. Uh, certainly, if people are interested in the program, they can contact Professor Ian Shockett at Queensland University of Technology if they want to look at uh, implementing it in their health service. We are currently involved in a large-scale trial of the program here uh, at Northwestern Mental Health. And so uh, we'll, we'll hopefully publish those findings over the next couple of years. 
Oh, that's great, Kim. Thank you. Uh, in your research, you state mental health nurses face substantial stressors and professional professional challenges in the workplace. These can occur in relation to consumers and families, other staff, as well as the work unit and or the organisation. Mental health nurses report high levels of consumer-related verbal and or physical aggression. I'm always really... Um, a bit sad to read that. Indeed, I'm um, um, sad and troubled to hear of aggression towards um, nurses and midwives. Occupational violence is a problem for nurses and midwives, and sadly, nurses are currently reporting aggression towards them in the street or outside when they're going about their business to and from work because they're wearing their scrubs and people are perhaps thinking that they're, you know, spreading COVID-19 around. Um, Kim, what are some of the resilience strategies that may support nurses and midwives exposed to occupational violence? Yeah, look, it is a, a, a huge issue for our profession. It's really challenging. And it's very unfortunate that, you know, nurses and midwives are being subjected to, to that at the moment, particularly with COVID. I think it's important to acknowledge that there are lots of reasons people are aggressive. And often they are fear and anxiety based uh, and frustration is another key issue. So one of the things, of course, that nurse and midwives often uh, do think about and is helpful sometimes to think about is what's causing the aggression. And one of the strategies that um, nurses have said they have found useful is to, uh, is to reflect, you know, what is it that's causing this? By and large, it's usually not personal. And so for some nurses, they have said to us, look, we found that not taking it personally is helpful for us, if that's relevant, and it may not always be relevant, but those thinking about what's causing this, it's not about me personally, it's an issue this person's having, and um, I need to try and understand what's causing that, and we need to try and uh, stop the aggression but uh, so those are some of the strategies that nurses have used um, personally but I think the other side of this is to say that organisations and the community have a responsibility to reduce or eliminate aggression so it's a social responsibility uh, this is not just an issue of us as workers it's about every it's everyone's issue and so if um, organisations need to take responsibility to manage aggression and they do you know you'll have seen the media uh, responses uh, that came out of actually our health service one of them um, about how the emergency departments are managing aggression and what the expectations are for patients and families coming into that setting they're really important the organisation needs to be responsible for trying to reduce aggression. The public and community need to take responsibility for their behaviour. And then we as nurses and midwives, apart from what I've already mentioned, you know, how do we understand the aggression and whether or not we take it personally, making sure that we're looking after our own wellbeing and we're the only ones that can know about the impact of that aggression on us. And so for some people, the aggression is relatively uh, easy to move past 
or because it may not have been particularly severe or, or uh, may not have had a particular impact. But for other people, it may be quite a significant impact. So it's, a, it's absolutely okay that people do feel badly if, if they are if they have had aggression because that's a perfectly natural response, that they are able to look after their well-being by accessing or seeking emotional support for themselves, that they take the time that they need if they need to be away from the workplace um, to recover, and also that they have and, and do make... Um, the available support um, useful for themselves if they need to. So things like the Nurse and Midwife Support Program, uh, Employee Assistance Program, or other informal emotional support from colleagues and family and friends are really important um, to take the time to recover. So I think they're just a few of the strategies um, that may be helpful for people when they're faced with this situation. Yeah, really useful strategies. Thanks, Kim. And as you say, this is um, one of the reasons that nurse and midwife call nurse and midwife support. So if you uh, need support in relation to occupational violence or anything else, please do not hesitate to call 1-800-667-877 or via the website nmsupport.org.au. Kim, um, pretty much coming to the end of the podcast, been a great discussion. We could talk about this some. Um, um, area for um, hours, I know, because mm-hmm. there's so, so much research and there's so much um, um, to discuss. Just um, lastly, do you think resilience education should be provided in nursing midwifery undergraduate programs? Well, you're probably not going to be surprised by this answer, but <laughs> absolutely I do. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I think, it, and it's becoming very evident, uh, in, in a lot of undergraduate programs that that nurses and midwives who have been prepared for the workforce may not necessarily have been prepared um, for the emotional and psychological impacts of the work. And so if uh, re- resilience programs, are, I absolutely believe there should be a resilience component in all undergraduate healthcare uh, curricula to help people develop some mental and emotional and relational skills that they can use when they go out into the workplace. And even just generally in life, you know, all of us could benefit, I think, from developing some of those skills because they're useful in every area of our life and not just our work. But yes, I do think it's really important I think it should be essential in, in all undergrad healthcare curricula and a lot of universities now and programs are build, starting to build this into their curricula, which is really good. Yeah, great, Kim. Completely agree. Thank you very much. Today we've talked about nurse and midwife support, resilience, its key components, its importance as a skill or its importance generally for nurses and midwives, preventative workplace resilience education as an important resource for supporting yourself when um, for supporting yourself and when exposed to occupational violence and resilience as an important element of nursing and midwifery education any final words of wisdom kim oh no i think hopefully i've uh, um, said 
most of the things that might be helpful to people. Uh, I think, as I said before, I think the thing, the, the take-home message, if you like, that I think is really important for people is to understand it's not just our responsibility. Uh, it's a shared social responsibility. And so it's about us and the people around us and the community and our organisations to pull together um, to support each other through adversity. And I, I actually think, you know, the Australian community is doing a terrific job at the moment of pulling together and working together and supporting each other through this um, COVID epidemic, for example, but also just more generally. And I hope that those messages of being kind to yourself and to others and to uh, reaching out and supporting uh, other people, particularly those who are vulnerable. I hope those things continue after the COVID epidemic because, or the pandemic, um, because those are things that everyone will benefit from in their life generally, not just during this type of situation. So that, I guess, that's my key message. You know, it's about be kind to yourself, be kind to others, um, have good relationships and and support yourselves throughout these um, difficult times. Thanks, Kim. Great words of wisdom to end on. Uh, I just want to let our listeners know if the um, sound in the podcast isn't as clear as it um, normally is, it's because... Kim and I are speaking by phone because we're practicing physical distancing um, as per the requirements. Um, but hopefully um, our podcast editor, uh, Matthew from Osmed Education, will fix that sound for us as he always does. So thanks again, Kim. Really appreciate your expertise and your time and your wisdom. If you found this podcast useful, please share it with other nurses, midwives and students and um, look after yourselves and each other. Your health matters. Speak to you next time.